Hello ladies and gents, it is Baggies Broadcast Time, Season 3, Episode 33, all the threes. My name is Luke Hatfield and as ever, I'm joined by a man who has been let down a number of times now by myself, taking a day off work. Who knew I was allowed to take a day off work? Joe Massey didn't know. What is it with you and not telling me about that though? It's ridiculous. We, you know, as well as I do, that we record the Baggies broadcast on a Monday. It's literally the highlight of your week. You can't wait to do it. You literally, like, love it. And then I just r- rock up for work and you're never there. I'd like to keep you guessing, Joe. Is it guessing? Is it guessing? Or do you really think you probably should tell me? I mean, I probably should, really. Yeah. I think when I think honest. about it, when I think about it, I probably should tell you. Just polite, really, isn't it? So I can plan my day. Well, this is, you know what it is? Why don't you message me? What, to check if you're working? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, you're clutching at straws again, aren't you? That's what, that's, what, that's what you're great at at this podcast, to be fair. You are absolutely great at clutching at straws. 100%. If, 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 if anything, I'm, I'm a good straw clutcher. You are, you are. You deserve credit for that. How are we doing? Have you enjoyed the recent warm weather? Obviously, it's uh, it's decided to do one recently, but have you re- enjoyed it otherwise? Um, yeah, should we just do a British weather podcast? Is that what we should talk about? Should we? I always think when people talk about the weather, it means they're really struggling for conversation. It's like, I've got nothing to say, so... It's like the ultimate backup, isn't it? Like Normally, it's like football. You go to football, and then if you're struggling for football conversation, you go to um, the weather. But yes, mate, I've been enjoying the weather. Would you say it's a presenter clutching at straws? Yes. <laughs> see? See, I see you did that. I like that. I like that. Um, I do think the weather is utterly bizarre, isn't it? It is weird, isn't it? It's weird. It is just one extreme to the other. Like, one minute it's gloriously sunny, the next minute it's, like, absolutely torrential downpours and, like, thunder. Um, it's like weather story, actually, even though I've just moaned about talking about weather. We went to a place called... I think it's called Himley Hall. Have you heard of that? I've never heard of the place. Himley Hall was like, like Dudley Way, I think. Yeah, Dudley Way from my house. I live in Telford and um, it's en route to sort of Dudley. And it's a real nice like country estate sort of thing, like a Downton Abbey sort of house. Mm. And we went there the other week and we literally drove there. As we, we left our house, it was absolutely glorious sunshine. While we were driving there, it's only like half an hour away, we had absolute torrential downpours and bolt lightning. Like, literally, bolt lightning. We could see it coming down from the sky. Jeez. And then we were going for a picnic. Oh, that's always a great sign, isn't it? And then when we got there, it was, like, sunny again. But we had a picnic, had a bit of a shower, got wet again, but just cracked on and it was absolutely fine again. So, yeah, I mean, that's my weather story. The weather's been crazy. Um, it has been nuts. How, how's, admit... how's it been for you? What? How's it been for you? It's been good. I mean, the one thing I was going to kind of go on to was, like, how it must be affecting the players. Like, I was watching some of the football. When was it? Would it have been midweek last week? And it was, like, 27 degrees. And I was like, you know what? I don't think they're used to playing in this kind of weather. They're, I mean, the drinks break were de- definitely needed. Um... But I'll tell you where the weather wasn't brilliant. Uh, in Brentford, I was watching, doing the watch-along from home. I, I turned on the TV to, to start the watch-along, the West Brom watch-along, which, again, thank you to everyone who's turned up and, and tuned into that. We had some uh, good good questions and uh, good comments, and I'm sure we'll have plenty more uh, for the Sheffield Wednesday game. 
Um, but I looked outside. It was stunning weather in the West Midlands. Sin in Brentford, it was absolutely pouring it down. Wow, yeah. I mean, if we're just going to do... If we are, we, it seems like we are actually doing another podcast then, so that's fine. If, that, if that's all you've prepped for, then... This was my segue. That's, we, that's your... Right, okay. <laughs> Me and Joe Chapman from the Birmingham Mail, we arrived at the same time, parked at um, where you're supposed to park, and we both had a big debate in the car, because it was roasting when we got there, absolutely mm. roasting. Um, and we were like, shall we take a coat? And I was just... Oh, and, I, and I debated, I just put a jump. I just picked up a jumper to take with me because it was so hot. And I thought, but then I thought, oh, I'll take a coat as well. It was the right decision. Because it did oh, get, yeah. it got, it was freezing in the end. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. On another, on another weather-related note, I once spoke to Philip Karinovich about the weather in England. Oh yeah, what did he have to say? He said it's like, he thinks it's like, gets a bad press. He thinks it's all right. He likes the weather in England. He actually genuinely likes it. He hasn't been here long, Philip. <laughs> he has. <laughs> he hasn't been here long when I asked him, actually. So maybe it's um, yeah, maybe it's changed. But do you want to talk? Was that your was that your attempt at talking about the Brentford game? Kind of. I've got one more thing. Because um, you you just touched on uh, you know driving down by yourself and and you and Joe Chapman meeting. Um, those of you, oh, well, everyone listening won't know this. We have a we have a group chat in WhatsApp. It's basically just a load of people who cover West Brom for a living. Uh, which I'm lucky to be a part of. Um, And I actually planned your takeaway trips and and the stops along the way for you guys. I wanted to know whether you actually took my advice and stopped at the McDonald's that I suggested. See, now I feel really bad because you did actually take the time to look, didn't you? I I miss the trip so much. I've started planning them for you despite me not going on there. I'm basically a PA. Um, Yeah, we didn't go, mate. Sorry. What? No, we didn't. So you, we put you through that for very little, really. Um, no, it just didn't didn't pan out, mate. Sorry, too too busy. Too busy. Where did you stop on the way down? I didn't stop on the way down. Um, also, we've got we have got well, Maidley's got on the act for um, Steve Maidley from the Athletic. He, he he's planned our McDonald's tomorrow. I saw um, that. Yeah, uh, can't have lost the group. People don't really need to know where it is, but can have a quick look. Where oh yeah, let, let let the listeners know where you're gonna go and eat your mackies. No, uh, oh, I don't know. He's fine. Well, anyway, we'll be having mackies tomorrow. Let's crack on. Let's talk about some football. We're six minutes in. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's not ridiculous. Anyway, Brentford one, West Brom nil. I tell you what. Um, I mean, I already mentioned the watch long. I'd love a goal in one of these watch long, Joe. I'd I'd love a goal just to talk about a goal. For West Brom, which Albion, do they still score goals? I don't know anymore. I'd like to see you celebrate a goal again. I've missed the way you celebrate Albion goals. It's just such a warm thing, isn't it? Like seeing uh, you. I'll let I'll let the listeners know what, what what happens when a goal goes in. Joe Massey goes absolutely bonkers. I go, oh, they've scored. Oh, that's a good result. I'm not a fan lies. of this team. Lies I'm covering the team. Damn well, people will see, won't they, when they watch the watch along? How excited you get. So. We'll let that one. Uh, we'll, let, we'll, let, we'll let the audience be the judge of that one. I mean, yeah. we don't know. Don't know if they're going to be another goal, Joe. To be honest with you, there's going to be lots of goals. There's no need to worry about that. And Albion going to be absolutely fine. I think the Brentford game. Look, the Brentford game, the Blues game. We spoke to Slaven Bilic yesterday. Um, I got so much to say on these, but um, also what I want to say is actually before I whittle on as per usual, um, last week's podcast was very, very downbeat. I said during on the podcast, I felt like it was being downbeat. Um, one person did contact me to say he felt it was a bit too downbeat. I can't remember it was now, apologies for that. But um, it was, you know, it was. And it could be very, very easy to be downbeat this week as well after that Brentford game and 
obviously one point from six, but I really, really don't think we should be. I think, I think we, d we do need to lift the mood a little bit. And I think the Brentford game, look, the Brentford and the Blues game, look, they've not been performances that Albion expected or wanted. Um, they've not been good enough, basically. Um, mm. Slavon Bilic, we spoke to him yesterday. He described them as average performances. He says that's the best thing you could say about them, um, that they yeah. were average. Um, I think average is fair in a sense that I think it's been kind of lost how well Albion have defended in these two games. Blues didn't have a sniff, not a sniff. Mm. Um, and Brentford are a very good attacking side, as to be said. They've got some lovely patterns of play. They build up really, really well, particularly down the left with Rico Henry and Ben Rama. And that Josh De Silva drifts out there as well. So they overload that area very often. Um, and Albion, bar the goal, um, when a fair few players switched off, it has to be said, um, they didn't really register a chance. Um, so I think we have to. Rem I think that's why we can say those performances are average because they did defend well. Um, they did. Obviously, attacking-wise, they've been not good enough at all. We've been way, way off it, way below what they'd expect from themselves. Um, I think a lot of it is is rustiness mm. um, from the from the break. Albion are not a direct side, are they? They they. They build up play patiently. We, we know what technically gifted footballers they've got in Callum Robinson, in Mateus Pereira, in Hal robson Carno. The way they move the ball around, it, it is, it, it's, it's more skillful. It's harder to score goals the way they score them. It's not, it's not route one, lumping it up to a front man and just playing for second balls. It is, it is, dif it is difficult and I think they've had a bit of rustiness. <clears throat> I think the big thing about the Brentford game and this is what Bilic touched on in his press conference immediately after the game. I don't think they coped with the pressure of it. And what I mean by that is that I think Albion's players went in... Well, actually, what I'll start with, I think Brentford's players went into the game with the mindset it was a free hit. Mm. I don't think anyone really, before that game, expected Brentford to win automatic promotion this season. Um, and they kind of know they're in the playoffs. It's going to something's going to have to go spectacularly wrong for them not to make the playoffs. So yeah. I think they entered that game very relaxed and thought we're going to give it a go. And if we win, fantastic. If we don't, it's not the end of the world. I think Albion went into the game with and with the sort of the mindset that if we win this game, Brentford are done. Mm. they're not going to make the top two. And I think that pressure on them... I, was at, I went on BBC WM before the game um, started and Rob Gurney asked, asked me the question, if Albion win today, have they got one foot in the Premier League? And I had to say, yes, I think they have. And I think it was that mindset, the fact that Albion's players knew if they won that game, they were so close, it was going to be so hard to reel them in. Um, I think that played on them and I think they played with that pressure on their shoulders and, and they didn't get going, did they? They didn't. They really didn't. And you kind of touched on it because from from my perspective, it did very much seem, and this is no excuse, by the way, because every team has had, has had to deal with this, is rust. Like, the movement wasn't quite as sharp as it was before. You know, players like I mean Robson Carno, for example, 
just couldn't get into the game. He was just rusty. And when the ball did come to him, he didn't always get it under his spell as quickly as he normally would, which comes with just match practice. And that's something that every player has been lacking. You know, you can emulate it as much as you want in training, but you can never completely simulate a match atmosphere until you're playing the match. Yeah, I mean, I agree completely. I mean, I think it's... Robson Carney is a difficult one to single out because I, I, I don't think it matters who you put up front in that Brentford game. Mm. They wouldn't have had an impact on the game because he got he, he was completely isolated. I mean, Albion got in the first half. Albion got next to nothing out of their three in behind him, um, and that's the issue. I mean, I tweeted it. There was one point in the game where Jake Livermore had the ball ten yards in front of his own box, and he literally on the ball, threw his arms in the air and screamed for an option. Mm. Um, and, 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 and how Robson Carney's not his option. Like, Albion don't play that, that, like that. They're not a direct side. It's, it's Matt Phillips, it's, it's Mateus Pereira. It, might, it probably wasn't going to be Grady Dingana because he was the other side, but they're the players who need to be shown for him. Um, or even, maybe even Romain Sawyers alongside him. But, yeah, I think, I just think that... I, th- I think I think they didn't. I think a lot's a lot's gone wrong. Actually, I don't want I don't want this to be a, a negative podcast. I really really don't. But I think I think we all know, looking at it now, that uh, the system hasn't really worked. The four two three one, if we're being honest. Mm. Um, but it says he doesn't want st- doesn't want people to get bogged down in systems. Um, but I think we all saw an improvement when they went to four three three at Brentford. Yeah. Um, and I'd be amazed if he doesn't play that at Sheffield Wednesday. And also the, the, the inclusion of Matt Phillips, which was a massive, massive, massive vote of confidence for him um, ahead of that Blues game. And then to keep his place for Brentford again. And I think he's offered very little in the two games, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not just to single him out, because look, none of, none of the forward players have covered themselves in any glory, have they? Let's be honest. Um, but I think a few things haven't worked um, in terms of tactics and selections in these two games. I think we saw that, obviously, at Brentford. I think there'll be changes tomorrow night at Sheffield Wednesday. And I thoroughly, thoroughly expect um, a much improved performance tomorrow night. A much, much, much improved performance. I'm sure you're going to get into it, but we know Bilic had a team meeting yesterday morning, Monday morning. Um, <clears throat> and I really think... Take away the pressure that Albion are under at Brentford, the stark realisation of the, of the position they are now in, um, and the fact that they need, to, they need to butt their ideas up, don't they? Sometimes mm. it's not bad to be hurting, you know? Sometimes it's not bad just to have a little kick when you're down, because it makes you react, it makes you respond, and it makes you come out fighting. And I really, really believe that tomorrow Albion will come out fighting. Mm, I think they will as well. Um, first thing... Credit to Brentford, the way they pressed Albion, particularly that first half. I mean, I know you were saying that Jake Livermore was looking around asking for options. Brentford played incredibly well and their press was was impressive. Um, but you've kind of covered my second, my next point here because I was going to talk to you about team selection. And when uh, the team was announced, I tweeted like my thoughts on on the team selection and the, the points that uh, you know I thought were worth talking about. And Matt Phillips was one of them. And I know it's harsh to single someone out. But you're right, he got a massive vote of confidence. I, th- I, I must admit, I was surprised to see him start against Blues. But to see him start after the performance he put in against Blues, against Brentford, still with no Grzycki in the squad, I was, uh, to, to, put, to put it lightly, I was surprised. 
Um, and you did see Albion brighten up when they went to a four three three. I think you've got. I think against Wednesday tomorrow. I mean, people may be listening to this after the game. I will be shocked if if Albion don't start in that four three three. Yeah, I will too. Um, I mean, we went in, we did it big last week. Well, I went big on it last week. I really, really, really thought they'd go four three three at Brentford. Um, I mentioned last week that. I'm not a four-two-three-one guy. I, I think I personally think it's a dated formation, but obviously, like as I've said many a times, I'm not for one minute questioning Bilic. He knows the game a million percent better than I do. So, but if he wants to go that way, he wants to go that way. But I don't like going. I said, I mean, I am repeating last week, but I it pains me to go up against the midfield three when you haven't got three players in there. I mm. think it's really, really. Um, I just think it's hard work. It's great if you can do it. If you, if you can, if, if those two can win a battle against a three, three central midfielders in a four-three-three three or a three-five-two, then obviously it gives you a man advantage elsewhere. But I think it's really, really hard work, um, and I think I, I don't know. I've spoken to, I'm basing what I think on having spoken to players in the past. Um, I know a lot of players. This, this is nothing like when I was covering Walsall and Shrewsbury. A lot of players really didn't like playing in the two when they were mm. up against a three. So that's sort of formulated my opinion over the years. Um, Sheffield Wednesday play a 3-5-2, so they will have three central midfielders in the yeah. middle of the park. Um, I'd like to see, I'd like to go back to the 4-3-3. I think everyone knows how I feel about it. Um, what I'd like to see as well is um, the rustiness, that we talk about the rustiness, we talk about the lack of match sharpness. I think 4-3-3 is, is a more direct formation. Yeah. And I, I think I, I think Kravinovic can be a direct player. He can. He, I think he's a little battler, if I'm honest. Like I, I love his battling qualities, and I love the fact that he can drive forward with the ball. Um, he he can carry the ball better than Livermore and Sawyer's can. Mm. Livermore's all about energy, and that press, and that and that leadership Sawyer's is all about the, those clever passes in between the lines slicing teams open for me Kravinovic can drive at, at a defence he can pick up that ball sort of 40 yards out maybe and make a good sort of 10 yards 12 yards 15 yards with the ball at his feet he's, he's, he's a bit more not, aggr- not he's more he's, he's aggressive I mean Livermore's aggressive as well but it's just a style to, I think it's a, a nice balance I really think it's a nice balance between Sawyer's Livermore and Kravinovic and I think if we're all gonna we all know there is this rustiness there is this lack of match sharpness for every team and I just think playing a bit more direct would suit everyone um, so to add those legs of Kravinovic in the middle to add that directness from him if it was me and this is just me I'd go Zahor up front tomorrow yeah. um, because again I think he gives you a different option in terms of that directness um, I mean Anyone who's listened to this podcast in the past knows what I think of how Robson Carno and what a wonderful player I think he is. But the link-up play isn't there at the minute. It just mm. isn't there. So, and I think Zahor's made a difference in the two he came games. On. He came on and made a difference, didn't he? I think he was... He, I mean, if he'd, if he'd scored with that one on the edge of the box, I mean, that that'd, that'd have been a, I mean, that could have changed the game completely. And it, look, he missed the sitter, really, against Blue. Not a sitter, but he got, he got his timings all wrong with a header. Mm. Um... But he's there. He's in those. He's in that position. Albion can play that way to him. He is. He is a physical threat. So, an aerial threat. So, I just think maybe 
considering the situation we're in and considering there's been, a, there's been no football for three months, I think the directness of Zahor could be a useful asset, but certainly, certainly, I think Kravinovic needs to come in the midfield and, and go 4 3 3. I agree with you. There needs to be a change up top for me, just because, like, as we said, you know, how Robson Carney's been fantastic this season, but the way that things have occurred, I think either Zahor or even a Charlie Austin, because you look at a Charlie Austin and say, yes, you know, he's not going to hold up the ball for you, he's not going to. He's not the most like physically imposing player, I think it's fair to say. Um, but I tell you what, he will do if there's, as is typical with rusty, you know, rusty teams on both sides. If there's something to be latched onto in the penalty area, and just bundled home, Charlie Austin is the type of player to do that. I think he's the one who will just stick the ball in the back of the net. And I know we've been saying that all season, and we've been expecting him to be this. You know, world class, well, not world class, but this striker that's come in and provided a lot of goals. I know he might not have panned out the way a lot of people maybe expected. I think is there was an expectation around him because of the name Charlie Austin. He scores goals, but I think he could be, you know, a player that could be utilised more. And we haven't really seen him. Um, the question is, I suppose, is this? Well, everyone will be hoping. Is this just a blip? Is it just the rustiness? Because surely it's not time to worry yet. You know, you've seen some fans who are who are starting to begin to worry, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, could I just say on the strikers, I think the selection on tomorrow night is going to be absolutely fascinating in the sense that I think if Albion are allowed to play their game and they do it the way they want to play, I think Hal robson Carney is the way to go because, mm. because of his link-up, because of the way he can bring Pereira, Robinson, Dean Garner into the game. They're not... They're not I think Zahor's an option because of that directness, like I said. Maybe, maybe Austin's the way to go. Because like you said, very few teams allow Albion to play now. That was the really frustrating thing about Brentford. Was We said on the podcast last week, I said it. I expected the Brentford game to suit Albion. Because mm. I knew Brentford were going to have a go. Whereas Blues didn't have a go, did they? Blues came for a point and got their point. Fair play yeah. to them, they did it. But there was next to no ambition from them, whereas you knew Brentford were going to try and, and win the game and you thought that that would leave pockets of space and you thought that would allow Albion to counter-attack, which they so rarely get to counter-attack Albion. Like, they just don't get to counter because teams just sit in and defend deep against them. So, I think if everything's free-flowing and on form, Robson Carlo out the three is plan A, but then you've got to look at it now and go, right, are we going to have to go more direct? If we are going to have to go more direct, then maybe Zahor's the answer. But maybe Austin's the answer because if Sheffield Wednesday sit in tomorrow night and go two bank and just bank put that bank of five across the back back five, mm. and we have a solid midfield in front of them as well, then space is going to be an absolute premium, and Albion aren't going to get many chances. As simple as that. Um, and if they do get the chances they do get you want them to fall to Charlie Austin don't you it's as simple as that if you want anyone on the yeah. end of them you want them to be Charlie Austin so I think that's a real real interesting one tomorrow night and I think there's a logic to why you could play all three of them um, or why you'd opt for all three of them in that role um, so I think I it's suppose the other option could be and I, I mentioned this in the watch along could you not bring on Callum Robinson to go up top you can have Grady Diangana one side Pereira the other and then you've got Kovinovic in the midfield yeah it's not sure I've never seen I've, I, mean, I, I mean I'm a big Callum Robinson fan I think everyone knows that as well but I I, I'm not I've never seen him up front 
I've never seen in there. I'd um, like to see it. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it. Um, I'm a little bit nervous about experimenting tomorrow night. I think, like you said, fans are getting nervous. That was the original question, sorry. Fans, are, are fans right to get nervous? I don't, of course they're not. It's going to be... Uh, but, but, but we're in a massive week, aren't we? Mm. We're in an absolutely massive week. What I would say about the nervous thing... I've got, well, I've got so much to say about the nervous thing, but before lockdown, when we restarted, album six points clear, right? Yeah. We're now five points clear. And it's taken two games to claw in that, 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 that one point, hasn't it? Okay, we know Brentford are playing tonight. They might win tonight at Reading. And then it's two points. And understandably, that, that, that does sort of open your eyes a little bit. But it has taken two games to claw in one point. Um, Albion will improve. They will get better. They will pick up results. Brentford aren't going to win every week. They're not world beaters. Um, so I think there's a little bit of like, I think you, it's very, very easy to get carried away after a, a loss and after Brentford win. Very, mm. very easy. Um, but I think this is an absolutely massive week. And I think if we're being honest, Albion should win at Sheffield Wednesday and they should beat Hull on Sunday. If they don't, if, if, if they're not getting results against Hull, then, then there are serious, or not serious issues, but and that, then, that's when I'd start to worry. But then we'll be in a position where it might the gaps. Let's say it's five points still. Brentford do the business tonight. Um, then suddenly the gap's five points still, with only five games remaining. Mm. Um, so I think you can understand why people would be concerned because obviously the results haven't been great and the performances haven't been great. That's the bottom line. The performances have not been great. Um, but I think we're now really entering a huge huge week or whatever it is five days and i think we'll all i think everyone and i mean everyone will settle down after one win i think yeah. all the players i think all the coaching staff the hierarchy at albion me you the fans one win will just everyone will just breathe a little sigh of relief and go right we've got that win off our back like let's we can move forward from here um and hopefully that win will come tomorrow night. And I think everyone, everyone will just feel an awful lot better. I really do. I really do believe that. I believe that you know win will come and everyone will feel a lot better. Yeah, for sure. You know what is crazy? Before the restart, we were all saying, oh, Fulham, Fulham are the team to watch. Now, Fulham are fifth. I don't think we were. I think we all thought Brentford... I had a bit of a, a, a bite at Brentford last week saying they've lost 11 games and... Like, they're not world beaters, blah, 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 blah. But the truth is they lost a lot of their games early, early on in the season. And they are a good side. Mm. Um, they are a good side. Um, Fulham, obviously, like... The thing with Fulham is, before Mitrovic was suspended for three games, which has obviously just happened, been announced... I don't know what he's doing, by the way, uh, there. I mean, you'd be absolutely livid if you're Scott Parker. Absolutely livid. But... You always kind of think Fulham entered the game 1-0 up just because Mitrovic is so good at this level. Mm. Um, but without him, I'd be amazed if Brentford don't make top three. I mean, they've lost two on the bounce now, Fulham, haven't they? Yeah, but I mean, not easy games. No, admittedly. Um, but yeah, but I believe Albion are going to be absolutely fine. Let's just... I think, by the ne I think the next time we do this podcast... I think everything will look a bit rosier. Let's hope so.
Let's hope so. Uh, right, I'm, I'm told that you have a, uh, a massive microscope to discuss. Do you know what it is? Oh, I've got an inkling, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie. Uh, so this absolute beaut fell into my lap last week, uh, was it a couple of days ago. Um, if you want to pause, uh, what I would say is, I'm going to be a, a bit of a while on this, so um, if, you want to, if you want to pause the podcast maybe, maybe go inside, make yourself a cup of tea, um, come back and just sit down and enjoy the next 10 minutes I ramble on for. Because um, I think people listen to this podcast for football insight, don't they? They listen because they want to know our opinions and what we think about things, and obviously we've got like little bit of like we got we get access that fans don't get being able to go to press conferences and the games and things and bits and bobs like that so i think I'd people agree. yeah they, they, they like sort of value our opinion mm-hmm. but what i want to know is how anyone can value your opinion when you write stuff like you wrote last summer which the, the headline is comment why aston villa aren't doing a fulham this summer I think I'm just going that to sounds like a brilliant article to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a massive thanks to Cal Haywood who, who tweeted me this the other night. Um, he wasn't the only one tweeting it, mate. Regular listener and thankfully um, pointed it out so I could see it. And uh, I, had, I had a lovely little chuckle reading it, mate. So let's just um, delve into your football insight and uh, how you... Um, your opinions, you... really, and, 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 and what a great sort of pundit you are. One minute, one minute, one minute. Are you about to do more work than all of my university lecturers did? What, and analyse your work? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mate, I am, yeah. I've got, oh, got the story in front of me. So, just settle down, everyone listening. If you want to settle down, that would be lovely. So, it starts. This is the intro. Uh, much has been said of Aston Villa's transfer business so far this summer. Estimated 80 million spent already. Seven signings confirmed. It doesn't look like stopping there either. Blah, 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 blah. One minute, one minute. Why are we, Why talking, are we talking about, about Aston Villa article in a West Brom podcast? What we're talking about, Lee, we're not talking about Aston, we're talking about your, your pedigree as a, as a journalist. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. So, so, Villa have already been criticised for doing a Fulham, but whilst it might earn some low-end Twitter profile a handful of retweets... True. So, a low-end Twitter profile. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the ones I'm on about. You being a sports journalist, you'll know all about this. Low-end Twitter profile, so-and-so is going to so-and-so for this amount. You look it up, and, and they're not even at the club they're being mentioned with. I'd never accuse anyone of having a low-end Twitter profile. But okay. it, Luke goes on. So, but whilst it might earn some low-end Twitter profile, a handful of retweets, it's actually an incredibly short-sighted point of view. So I have to admit, Luke, if I'm being honest, I have thought while I've been going out about my daily business and while I've thought about looking at Villa, I have thought they're doing a Fulham. And I'm sure there'll be people listening to this who thought Villa are doing a Fulham. But for, according to you, that's not just a short-sighted point of view. It's an incredibly short-sighted point of view. Yeah. yeah. Right, OK. Do you stand by that comment? I still stand by it, yeah. Fulham memorably splashed the cat in the summer, immediately following their promotion via the playoffs. Over 100 million left the coffers of the club. They finished second bottom. Our Villa getting on, mate? They're currently second bottom in the second Premier League. Second bottom. Second bottom. Second bottom. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, we've crack- yeah brilliant, mate. You're doing really well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we get into the signings, yeah? So what, rather than carry on, because you've, you've just savaged a bunch of um, expensive signings, what I thought I'd do is... Look at the mm-hmm. Villa signings and look at the, um, 
Fulham ones, right? Okay. And for, and for the balance of fairness, of what I've done is I've done Fulham, Villa, and I've done a verdict, right? Okay. okay. Right, so this is, this is Luke Hatfield, Villa have not done a Fulham. So Fulham, <laughs> the goalkeepers they signed last summer were Fabry for £5 million, yeah. Pounds, yeah. Yeah. while Villa signed Tom Heaton for £8 million. Pounds. Mm-hmm. The verdict, I've put that as a Villa win. 100%. If Tom Heaton does not get injured, Villa are not in the position they're in right now. I don't think there's any doubt about that, is there? No. 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 Right, Villa win. So balance. Fantastic signing, Tom Heaton. Brilliant signing. It'd just be good if he played. I mean, you can't account for injury, Matt. Um, well, he has, he has not got a great injury record, but that's fine. I'll get, Villa win, mate. Villa win. More than happy. Okay. More than happy. I'd much rather spend £8 million on Tom Heaton than £5 million on Fabry. Where is Fabry now? Oh, he's on loan somewhere. I don't, mate, I, I, I have absolutely no idea. Um, right, so defenders. Yep. yep. Fulham spent £26 million. Pounds. £26 yeah. million. Pounds. They bought Alfie Mawson for £15 million. Pounds. Who was crocked. Yeah, but I do like Alfie Mawson. Very good centre. But he's crocked. Yeah, yeah, but I, like I'd love, to, I'd love to sign David Beckham right now, but the, the guy's however old. Joe Bryan, left back. Six million pounds. Good player. Yeah. He's okay. No, he's a good player, mate. He's arguably... Why is he playing in the championship? I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Someone would have come in for him from Fulham if he was that good. Good player. I'd have him at Albion. And would you start him over Kieran Gibbs? Mm, I'd definitely buy Joe Bryan in the summer. I'd be happy with Gibbs and Bryan at left back. Competing okay. for a place. I can, I can see where you're coming from. He's decent. He's decent. They spent six million on him. Yeah. yeah. They spent five million on a bloke called Maxime Lee Marchand. Who I've got to yeah. be honest, if he was sat opposite me now, I wouldn't know who he was. Yeah. yeah. Never heard of him until I did this research. And then they brought in Callum Chambers on loan. Mm-hmm. Now that cost twenty-six million pounds. Yeah. 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 Sign those players. Twenty-six million pounds. Villa mm-hmm. spent twenty million pounds, so just six million less on Tyro Mings alone. England centre-back Tyrone Mings. No. Now, what I'm going to tell you is, I'm going to be fair in the balance of this thing. I'm going to be fair in this assassination because I do think, I've criticised Tyrone Mings on this podcast before, I do think he is a very, very good championship defender slash lower half Premier League defender. Playable in the lower half of the Premier League. I think if he was your worst defender, if he played every week in a back four and he was your worst one, you'd probably stay up. But he'd have to be the worst one. Massively, massively overrated. Decent, but Villa fans seem to think he's an ex-Beckham bar, which he just isn't, mate. He just isn't. He's, he's good. He, he's, he's passable. He never played for Bournemouth. Because you're, you're, you're telling me, you're telling me if Albion... If, i tell you what, I'll give you the option right now. You can swap Tyro Mings for any defender at Albion. You'd have him over any of I'll them. I'll take Shemi Ajayi. You take Jamie Dry over Tyrone Minks. Hundred percent. I'm not so sure, mate. Mate, Shamir Jai a couple of months ago played for Nigeria against Brazil and kept like Neymar quiet. Tyrone Mings <laughs> is in place for a team that right. This is a this is a hang on. Villa have kept one clean sheet in the last thirteen games. But that clean sheet was against Sheffield United when that Neuland handled the ball beyond the line. But it just was the goal given. given or not. 
So essentially, you've not kept a clean sheet in 13 games. That's not just down to one player, mate. No, but mate, mate, no, but no, you're right, you're right, you're right. It's not just down to one player. You're right, you're absolutely right. Because as well as signing Tyrone Mings for 20 million, 6 million, just 6 million less than Fulham shelled out on that, their whole defence, yeah? Yeah. yeah? You spent something like 11, 10 million on Matt Target, 3 million yeah. on Courtney House, who... Uh, three, 3 million is a very good deal for Courtney Horse. It, 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 I'll tell you what, he'd be a cracking sign-in for like Sunderland. It'd be brilliant for them. <laughs> Esri Consa, who I like, but let's be honest, is a championship player. You spent about 10, 11 million on him. And Bjorn Engels, who again doesn't kick a ball for you. So you spent, so get this, you, you spent a whopping on those players, 55 million pounds. Yeah. yeah. That is more than double what Fulham spent. Yeah. yeah. More than double. Think of resale, mate. Mate, I don't think you want to get into resale. Toro, Toro Mings is worth at least 12 30 million. million. No, he's not, mate. No, he's not. He, he, if, if Harry Maguire goes for 85 million, do you know why Harry Maguire goes for 80 million? Do you know why Harry Maguire is going for 80 million? Because he's good, mate. Toro Mings isn't good. That's why. Mate, he's definitely worth 30 million. Villa would make a profit on him if they Absolutely sell wouldn't. Would not. Would not. And everyone else is bang average. And what, well, they'll be good in the championship next season for you. So Fulham win that for me because I like Alfie Mawson. I like Joe Bryan. I don't know who Maxime Lachard is. And they also brought Callum Chambers in on loan. But those players were bought for 30 million less than you spent. No, no I'm not having that. That's ridiculous. That's a, That's a tie, tie at least. Midfield. Now, I, Fulham spent 40 million. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. On Andre Frank, Zambo, Angusia, and Jean Michael Sarri. Now, Jean Michael Sarri, I do feel a bit bad for Fulham on that because they beat like Chelsea and Barcelona and Arsenal to his signature. There's a lot of clubs looking at him. Um, it just didn't really West, work. West Brom beat a lot of teams to uh, Ollie Burke. Yeah. Everyone makes mistakes, I'm just saying. Um, but, so look, they. Two players there, they cost a combined total of £40 million. Pounds. I mean, it's a, there's no doubt about it. It's an absolute shambles. No, from can I just clarify something here? Yeah. Anguissa was signed as a defensive, a holding defensive midfielder. He only ever played in a two, as in two holding midfielders, and Fulham put him in a holding midfield role on his own. That is just dreadful man management, and Seri just flopped completely. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not like saying Fulham did well. I'm just saying, they did dreadfully. But then your business, you spent £33 million on midfielders. Yeah. Yeah. £7 million less. Yeah? £7 million. Uh -huh. You bought Anwar Al-Ghazi. Who was already on loan at the club. But bang average, yeah? I mean, he's, he's scored goals and laid on assists this season. Mm, no, one, no one's going to want to buy him, are they, when you go down? No, no, no I'm not saying he's, he's a world beater. For that, for, but for that kind of money they spent on him, they've got a good return. Trezeguet, who's utterly okay, useless. that's a poor sign. Utterly useless. I'll give, I'll give you that one. If poor sign. And Douglas Louise, who I will give you, does look to be growing into a decent player. But the player. But the question I ask you is: Is he who you want in a relegation battle? Really? Oh, have you oh, seen him over out. these last two games? He's been Villa's best player. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not disputing that. But he's taken all this time to get going, and he's second bottom, staring relegation in the face. 
He's 22 or 23 years old, man. Ah, what's really annoying is I've missed out Marvellous. Not so marvellous in a can be, you mean? Not so marvellous. Well, he's not on my list. Oh, here he is. I haven't got a fee for him. How much is they? Like nine million. Nine million. <laughs> eight, eight or nine, one of the two. Oh, we'll be generous and go eight million. Villa win that midfield battle, by the so way. So if, if we put Marvellous, who's dreadful. So we've got Algarzi, dreadful. Trezeguet, no, he's dreadful. Marvellous. Yeah, the only dreadful sign in, in, that, in that bunch is Trezeguet. They should have just gone out and spent the money on Saeed Benrahma, and they didn't. Yeah. But Douglas Louise is good. Also, there's a buyback, so they'll definitely make profit on him if they were to sell him. Marvellous Nakamba, he's, he's a very poor man's Kante, an incredibly poor man's Kante. If we just say Algarzi, bang average. Trezeguet, dreadful. Douglas Louise, good player. Marvellous Nakamba, bang average. That's cost you £41 million. Pounds. One million more than Fulham. One million yeah, more. Yeah, but I'd take that over Fulham's business. I'd say as bad as each other. You've not done well, have you? If you've not done well with your £41 million, pounds, let's be honest, you've not done well with it. No, they've not done well, but they've done better than Fulham. It's a Villa win. No, it's as bad as each other. Poor shout from you. And strikers, Fulham, £20 million on Mitrovic, he spent £22 million on Wesley. Do we even need to go into it? That's not fair. Wesley has been injured. He did his ACL. All right, so I'll give you an option now. You, you could, it doesn't matter if you're in the Premier League or Championship. You can have Mitrovic up front or Wesley. Who do you want? Wesley, because he's not going and getting himself three match bans at stupid points in the season. He's also not getting the goals. So you're an idiot. Because he's injured. Um, oh, whatever, mate. Um, so there we go. That's uh, Luke Hatfield's insight into why Fulham, why Aston Villa are not doing a Fulham. Um, Can I just clarify? The point of the article was Villa aren't doing a Fulham because they're signing players they know and they did know a lot of them players. I'm, not, I'm saying they did take risks. Marvellous Nakamba, Trezeguet, Wesley were all risks. But Heaton was a good signing. Tyra Mings had been at the club. El Ghazi had been at the club. Dean Smith knows Esri Konza. Like there's, there's some sense behind it. I'm not saying it's panned out. Plus, let me just add... Why Villa stay up? Are you going to eat these words? We're not going to stay up, are they? So you don't have to worry about that. They're a, They're point, a off. point off. Anyway, so Fulham, Villa have not done a Fulham, apparently, according to Luke Hatfield. If you want to read this dreadful article, it was published on July the 11th, 2019. But just remember, if you do think Fulham have, uh, at Villa have done a Fulham, then what did you use? It's, we're all incredibly short-sighted. That's what I want people to remember. If you think Villa have done a Fulham, you are incredibly short-sighted. In the words I can't of wait Hunter. until I stay up. <laughs> Did you see all the people messaging me? I had Wolves fans, Albion fans, Newcastle fans. All of them. It is a dreadful piece of journalism. I replied to every single one of them as well. It's a dreadful piece of journalism, isn't it? It's not dreadful. It's not dreadful. It's going to be. It's going to be held true. When Villa stay up, I'm going to expect apologies. Okay. Apologies, that's what I want. I think Albion are going to be a Premier League side next year, and I don't think you are. I think, I think Albion and Villa will be. Oh, you're mad. And Shemi Ajay is better than Tyrone Mings. That is a ridiculous shout. Absolutely ridiculous. I rate Shemi Ajay as well. Imagine a back four with two centre-backs, Shemi Ajay and Tyrone Mings. You're telling me you're not going for that. Silly. Silly. Shall we get on to questions? After 15 minutes talking about Aston Villa, a team with this podcast. I just want people to know, I just think it's really important that people listening to this 
don't really hang on your every word when we've got proof that your word is very often wrong. It's not proof yet. Well, I think it is, mate. I think it is. I think if you went back in time and you were doing the deals again, would people do them? I think everyone would say no. They wouldn't do some of them. I'll well, give they you wouldn't that. do the vast, vast, vast majority of them. They'd sign Tom Eaton and that Douglas Louise. Other than that, they'd look elsewhere. Nah, they'd nah, sign Tyrone Mings. Oh, yeah, they signed Mings, but that's only because... They'd sign El Ghazi because he did so well on loan. There's some weird Aston Villa obsession with Tyrone Mings. Tyrone's a good player, mate. Anyway, carry on. You don't get called up for England for, for, for being a, a bit crap, do you? Wow. Well, that doesn't happen. David Nugent did. True. Uh, okay, let's go on to questions. Uh, local Baggies fan, have you ever written an article that when you look back at it a year later you thought, I got this completely wrong? I haven't. I just don't know where he's got that from. I just don't know why he'd ever come to that conclusion. Joe, have you ever no, written I haven't, an article? No, I haven't. I haven't. No, I haven't. I've never, I've never got it so. Sp- I can safely say I've never got it so spectacularly wrong. The <laughs> uh, same, same um, listener. Do you think the club was right to release uh, Jack Fitzwater? You've seen him, and to a lesser extent, Kane Wilson play more than any of us have while they were at Warsaw. Uh, in which league do you think they'll land? Um, I'm surprised they let Fitzwater go. Um, I'm not. I'm not surprised they let Fitzwater go. Um, and I really like. I'm a huge, I really like Jack. He's a lovely, lovely lad. Um, absolutely lovely, lovely lad. Was was outstanding for Warsaw. Um, I thought. I thought um, he did really, really well there. I think he has to go. As Bilic said, I just think he has to go for for his own sake. He, and that's why. That's one of the reasons why they have let him go. It's almost like not an ability thing. Like Bilic said, um, when he when we asked him about Fitzwater that. He could stay and be the backup to the backup, and it'd be fantastic for Albion if he did stay. Um, but you only get better by playing games. You only get mm. better by playing games, and he needs to go out and play. I interviewed him. My first ever interview with him at Walsall. I remember him talking about his loan moves, and he'd because he's he's been absolutely everywhere, Jack Fitzwater on loan, and he talked to me about ticking boxes, um, and he said he'd been to I think he'd been to he'd been to Hensford. Mm-hmm. And he then obviously did really well. So he like ticked the non-league box. Then he went to Forest Green, I think in League Two at the time, did really well. So ticked the, the League Two box. Then he went to Walsall in League One, did well in League One, ticked the League One box. He talked about ticking these boxes, and he needs to now go and chip to tick the, the Championship box. That's that will what will be in his head. He's, he's shown he can do it at those levels. He needs to like go on and play every week, and I think he will get a move to he might get a low-end championship club but i think it might be more likely he gets a top-end league one club um i think he's a few people have mentioned him going back to Walsall. i think i think he's if i'm being honest i think he's too good for Walsall now um in league two in league two aren't they um i i would i would expect him to get a decent league one move i could see him i mean look darren moore's at doncaster is that a possibility I could see him maybe going to someone like a Peterborough, mm. um, somewhere like that, or maybe maybe staying in the championship, someone like a Wigan or someone like that. I think Jack, it, he needs like he needs to play. He got progressively better while he was at Walsall. He's 22 years old. Like he's absolutely no age, absolutely no age. Um, 
and I think he'll go on and have an absolutely fantastic career. But I think we all think, is he ready to be playing for a team that's competing to win the championship? The answer is no, he's, he's not. Um, so he needs to tick that league, that championship box. So I think he had to leave Albion now because whether we're in the championship or whether we're in the Premier League next season, he's only ever going to be the backup to the backup, as, as Bilic said, and that's no good for him. Um, it's no good for him at all. So I think it was definitely the right decision to let him go for, for his sake, really. Kane Wilson um, is a different... Is, oh, I don't... It's a different one. Um, I interviewed. I must admit, I've not seen much of him. So I interviewed him once, and he, he said something really, really interesting. Maybe I'm making too much into it, but basically, he said when he was a kid, they always used to put him at centre back, um, and the reason why was because he was so much better than anyone else on the pitch. He basically used to just pick up the ball and run through the entire team. Mm. Um, it. it He's got all like the physical attributes to be a really good player, um, but whenever I saw him, he was very, he really, really lacked um, like game nows, game mm. management. Um, so that is why I think he's been out on loan an awful lot. And I've got to be honest, I have absolutely no idea where his best position is. And I think this is a problem that has affected him and almost stems back from that when he was a kid and they put him at centre-back just because he could run through the opposition with the ball and he was going to just defend well as well. I don't know if he's a full-back. I don't know if he's a winger. I've even seen him play as a number 10. Um, I think he, he just... He needs, he needs a lot of games for me, Kane Wilson. He's had a lot of games out on loan. I think he still needs a fair few more. I mean, I haven't seen him at Tranmere, I've got to be honest. I don't know how he's improved since I last saw him, but he always, to me, looked like... To me, he looked like a player who... He needed a manager to say, do you know what, you are going to be my right midfielder, right back, whatever. You are going to be my mm. right back. Here's the defensive coach. Every day, spend an hour with him after training and he'll help you grow into the position. Um, that's what I've always... And maybe that's happened at Tranmere, I don't know. Um, but that's, he's too raw for me, Kane Wilson. And I think that's why mm. um, I think he was always going to be released, really. Um, and he'll go on and have a decent career, I'm, ups, I'm sure of it. But he's, 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 got, he's got further to go for me than Jack Fitzwater has. Mm. Richard Downing, uh, the last two games against Blues and Brentford, we have, looked, we have played two teams whose fitness looked superior to ours. Certain players look unfit. Has fitness issues occurred since lockdown? I don't think they look... I, I've seen a lot of people say this. I don't think they look, don't look fit. I don't think they don't look fit at all. I, don't, I, 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 I think they don't look sharp. That, that's how I would... Yeah, I, exactly that. I think they don't look sharp. What you've got to remember is, and this goes back to the point I wanted to make about the def, defend, how well they've defended, is... You can only defend well if you stay in your shape, if you maintain the right positions and you're in the right positions when moves break down or whatever. So they have done that. They have done that. The, the, the shape and the structure and everything has actually been very good. Um, mm -hmm. It's the quality that's deserted them, I think. Not 
not not not their fitness. It's the little things not are coming off for them. Um, so I've got to be honest. I don't think there's a lack of fitness. I think that's. I don't, I just don't. If I'm being honest, I disagree with that. Um, mm. And I do think it's this match sharpness, and I do think it's this pressure really um, of of having very little to gain. Like everyone expects Albion to go on and win promotion. It, they can only really get the job done or bottle it. Like, there's not... If they do win promotion to the Premier League, everyone will kind of just shrug their shoulders and go, well, we expected it, really. Um, so I do, that's why I think this, this first win's so important. I just think, get this first win off the backs and relax a little bit and just... They'll remember what... They'll grow in confidence and they'll remember just what a good side they are. And when you've got confidence, your sharpness comes back and your little flicks, your little tricks, your little one-twos... They come off more, don't they? Um, mm. So that's where I stand on it anyway. I truly don't think there's a, there's a fitness, fitness issue. Callum Haywood. Hey, Callum Haywood. Hey, there he is, my main man, sending me that story. What a boy. Why do you think Villa's transfer regime last summer differed to that of Fulham's 12 months yeah. earlier? We've been through <laughs> this Mr Haywood. Um, AJ, has Slav given much thought to the lads that are out on loan yet? I don't know actually, but obviously. Um, I think he's got more pressing issues, pressing issues at the moment. Yeah, he definitely has, but I would say I think he needs to be asked about Callum Morton um, because he's just done so fantastically well um, at mm. Northampton. Um, I watched Northampton against Walsall, first game of the season. Walsall won 1 0. Absolute shocking game of football. And I can tell you then, I never ever thought in a million years Northampton would be going up this year. Um, but Callum Morton, not just his goals, he has made a massive difference since going there in January. Um, a massive difference. So it's not really one. I'll ask Billich tomorrow after the game, um, but we'll probably speak to him again on Friday, head of Hull. Um, and I think if I don't do it, I'm sure someone else will. I think he's got to be asked about Callum Morton because... He's just had, there's no doubt about it. He's had a fantastic loan spell. He really, really has. He's essentially fired Northampton up. Mm. Uh, I think that's a fair comment, really. Um, so, yeah, we will definitely, definitely ask him about him. He certainly looks talent, doesn't he? Uh, at you, Baggies, do you fancy us in the playoffs if we slip into them? My God, man. Not even answering Calm it. Calm down. Um, I mean, in terms of, God forbid Albion slip into the playoffs. But if that if that does ever happen, is there any squad more equipped for the playoffs than West Brom? I'm not talking about the playoffs. I'm not talking about the playoffs. We're not going like we're two games into a nine game run. We've got Sheffield Wednesday and Hull coming up in the next couple of days. We're going to play those games. We're going to win those games, and we'll see how we are after that. I'm not. We're not. I'm not getting into the playoffs now. No chance. Absolutely no chance. Mm. Long way to go. Clint McCormick. Uh, our team is allowed to sign players that are out of contract today, and will free agents to and will be free agents tomorrow if they have if they haven't re-signed at their club. I assume you could put together a deal, but you wouldn't be able to register them to play for the remainder of this season. Yeah, um, yeah, you can put you can yeah. So I haven't I haven't looked into it, but I tell you why I haven't looked into it. And that's because I know Alex Palmer can't play for Albion, even though he's returned from his loan at Plymouth. Mm. 
And the reason why he can't play is because he is technically a Plymouth player until the end of the season. So Albion have said to me, he can't play. If there was an emergency to the goalkeepers, you could obviously, like normally, you can sign a keeper in those extreme circumstances, can't you? So mm. if like Sam Johnston and Jonathan Bond both got injured tomorrow, then Albion think they'd get special dispensation to play Palmer, yeah. but they can't play him as it stands. So the fact that they can't play him, I think players can sign for clubs. Well, they definitely can sign for clubs. And I think we're all expecting Nathan Ferguson to join Crystal Palace any day now, really. Because um, mm. that fee will eventually be settled by a tribunal, you'd imagine. Um, but yeah, I think they can sign them, but they can't play them. Um, kind of like you won't be seeing Timo Werner, you know, playing for Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, see Hawthorns, do you envisage a lot of changes for Wednesday night, or maybe just a tweak here and there for the team selection? It's interesting because we don't know because. So we've said we expect him to go four three three. I'd be amazed if he doesn't go four three three. But then you never know. You never know. Billich said yesterday that a couple of players were having scans. He said that they're minor, minor issues. He said everyone's like pretty much fully fit, but there are players who have got these minor things that they wanted to get scanned just to see whether, mm. I guess, whether they should be rested. Um, I don't think anyone's in a position where they really couldn't play, but it might be one of those where it's just best they miss out a game or two. We don't know who those players are. Um, so it's difficult to know. All I can say is he's, he said there will be changes or, or hinted at changes. His words were something along the lines of there's players who have played who haven't really done it. And there's players mm. who haven't played who deserve their chance. Um, so we are expecting changes. By that, you would expect changes. Um, if it was me, I'd go 4 3 3. Like I've said, I'd go Robinson on the left, Pereira on the right, Sahor up front, obviously Kravinovic in midfield. I'd bring O'Shea in at right back for Furlong, mm. just because I think Connor Wickham's a really good player for them. And he sort of drifts drifts out to that sort of left-hand side. In good form as well. At the yeah, moment. two and two. Um, so I think that'll be a real physical battle between him and Agazi tomorrow. So I like the thought of having O'Shea there just to back up Agazi. Um, they will be my changes, but I certainly, to answer the question, I think it, there will be changes, yeah. And I think Bilic has pretty much said that without categorically saying it, if you like. James Duffy, what do you think of West Brom being in for Joe Hart? So, can you hear me all right? Because it's gone a bit weird. Yes, mate. Yes, mate. Um, I'd be very, very, very surprised if they signed Joe Hart. Um, I think they will sign a keeper in the summer to provide real competition to Sam Johnston. I I actually think they'll sign a keeper in the mould of Joe Hart in the sense that maybe someone who's a bit older, has got experience under their belt, but... I think Sam Johnson will definitely, definitely start the season as number one. Um, I'd be surprised if it was Hart, based on how much he would probably expect in wages. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, I don't think he's very good anymore, if I'm being, honest, if I'm being brutally honest. I mean, I'm a massive England fan. 
I think Joe Hart, 85 caps for England or whatever it is, 75 caps, I can't remember, but he's been a, he was at one stage an absolutely fantastic goalkeeper. Um, but I'm sure he won't mind me saying this actually, but if I just completely rob a point that Steve Madeley said to me, I don't know if you can remember when Pep came into Man City, there was sort of this big thing about how he let Joe Hart go because he wasn't good with his feet. Um, And Steve said he thinks that's probably the kindest thing Pep has ever done. And it sort of allowed him to hide behind that kicking thing. And it sort of meant that Pep didn't have to actually say, he's just not the goalkeeper he once was. Mm. Um, So, I don't know. I don't know. We don't want to... um, if, I, I can't see I don't see him at Albion if I'm being honest I don't see him there um, <clears throat> but I can't rule it out can't rule it out but for me there'd be better options and cheaper options and yeah, and yeah certainly cheaper options although he's, he's available on a free isn't he but it's the wages you've got to worry about it's Joe Hart he just for me I mean it's not often you see a player have the kind of decline that Joe Hart has because at one point, I mean, he was on top, like, not on top of the world, but, I mean, he was one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League or deemed one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League. Was starting for England, pretty much nailed on. Um, it's just, I, I find it amazing, really. I, I, part of me still thinks he's got something to offer and he, he just needs the right club to come in for him. I've never known a fall from grace like it, if I'm being honest. I can't think of... Jack Butland comes pretty close in terms of... He was never as high, was he? He was never as high. Like, Joe Hart was undisputedly England's number one. And he mm. was a damn good goalkeeper. Um, and England had that... I think Lionel Messi once, like, commented on him against after after Man City, like, beat Barcelona or got a result against Barcelona. And he was like, yeah, he was. He, he's out of this world. Um, and he was. He was brilliant. And he was absolutely brilliant. And England had a, had a dodgy spell of keepers, like David James and Robert Green and stuff. And there was no doubt that Hart was the best one. And he had a brilliant season on loan at Blues. And he was fantastic. And he was fantastic when Man City won the Premier League. Um, the Albion link, look, he leaves Burnley today, June the 30th. His contract mm-hmm. officially expires today. He's not got a club. He's from the West Midlands. We know... Albion are on the hunt for a keeper in the summer. To me, it's typical agent getting this player out there. Everyone could probably see, it's it's an easy story to write. There is some logic there to it, why they might want him. But I think, I I really don't think he'll be at Albion, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, But to me, it doesn't seem he fits the mould. A uh, load of questions. Will we will we ever score a goal again? Uh, one of the big ones from Jack. Do you know what? Obviously they will. But I do. I've, I, got, I wouldn't be surprised if if the next goal comes from an unlikely source. It wouldn't surprise me if it's Shemi Ajayi from a corner or Agazi from a corner, or even like Kieran Gibbs bursting into the box and drilling one in, mm. or something mm. like that. I think. Uh, look, it might be that. It might be that. Mateus Pereira threads a through ball to Charlie Austin, who just ridiculously cheekily dinks it over the onrushing keeper because he's calm in front of goal, and Albin go won the leopard Sheffield. It might just be like that, but I just think there's a lot. Of, I just think there's a bit of pressure on them um, to, to perform, and I just think, like I've said, the first win or 
let give ev make everyone just breathe a little bit easier. I think that first goal will as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it wouldn't surprise me if it came from a player who isn't under under pressure to score it. Um, yeah. yeah, like a Romain like Sawyers. Yeah, like a Romain, yeah. Or even like, yeah, Jake Livermore, 25-yarder. Or a set piece, if I'm being honest. I, I, I can see him scoring from a set piece um, mm. and then building from there. But hopefully not. Hopefully, like, well, whatever. Take whatever goal comes. But, yeah, it'd be nice if it was, like, a little bit of Dean Garner and or Robinson and Pereira one-twos and a little bullet into the bottom corner or something. But, yeah, we'll see how we go. We'll take anything, we'll won't take we? What we'll, we'll, we'll take what we'll get. <laughs> um Chris Adams, uh, along with plenty of other people, any particular reason why the club haven't announced a deal for Pereira yet? Um, yeah, just uh, this is one of those things where you, when you realize, when you start to work in football, you realize things are a lot different to how, like they are, how like you you perceive it to be. Mm. So like how. Albion have got nine games in 33 days. They've got... Pereira has got a lot of football to play, a lot of training to do. He's got a lot of resting to do um, that he needs to do properly. And it's just, like, not... It's just not any urgency to it. Do you know it's like There's no need to... Yeah, they could get in there... They've got to dot the I's and cross the T's and, and do whatever they need to do on the contract or whatever, but... It doesn't matter what happens now, they have to buy him. Mm. He could wake up tomorrow having had all his footballing superpowers been taken away and Albion would have to buy him. There's nothing they can do about it. So well, obviously we all want him desperately, but they're, they're contractually obliged to buy him. So there's no like, I think Albion would rather Pereira was thinking about Sheffield Wednesday tomorrow than thinking about what when he's coming in to get his contract signed. It's not... It's, but I know what people mean. Because if I was, on, if I, I'd be going, why have I not signed him yet? Why have I not signed him yet? But they, they, they have to sign him. They have to sign him. So it's just gonna, it's just gonna happen when it happens. It's no like, there's no, it doesn't have to be. There's no rush to it. It doesn't, have, it doesn't have to be. Um, it's, it sounds ridiculous, but it's a bit like when you're at work and you've got an admin job and you just pull it off for a bit. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you've got a busy day and you're like. I haven't got to do that for another three weeks. I'll just do it tomorrow. And you don't do it tomorrow. You do it, you say I'll do it the next day. It's just a bit like that. It's not, there's absolutely no, no way he won't be an Albion player. They have to do it. So, um, yeah, just don't worry about it. I see it as kind of like doing your car insurance. You're not going to do your car insurance two weeks after taking out your original one, are you? You're not going to do it six months after taking your car insurance out. You're going to do it a month before or like a week before it's just not at the top of the priority list is it yeah and they just i think they just want to concentrate on the games to, like i think everyone we we all know he's it's been triggered and like billich has said he now considers him a permanent player and stuff so it's just when they've got the time to do it they'll sit down and do it but there's no issue no issue at all good stuff uh right let's finish up with a double preview because, as is uh, the restart, we've got a number of games coming up. Uh, first one, of course, tomorrow. You might be listening to this after it, so you'll probably know how this has all gone if, if you are listening to it afterwards. But if you're not, uh, we're going to preview the Sheffield Wednesday game, but then the whole game. Um, 
as games go, this one is now a bit bigger than I think we all expected it to be, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's massive. It's, ma- it's massive. Um, it's absolutely massive. I think, like we keep saying, we all need a lift. We all need that sigh of relief. And Sheffield Wednesday looked absolutely shocking before lockdown. They won one in ten. I think I don't know how close Gary Monk was to getting the sack, but he was certainly under immense pressure. Um, but he's, they've come back. They've they've changed systems, as we said. They've just gone to this new three-five-two, and they've looked good. They've looked all right. They've got a decent draw at home to Nottingham Forest. I think that's a good result, um, especially when you consider the amount of home wins there were that weekend, the first first weekend back. There was basically yeah. two, wasn't there? Um, so that's a good result. And then they've beaten Bristol City, who've been fighting for a playoff place all season. Um, they've definitely, Sheffield Wednesday, have definitely, definitely improved over lockdown. And they, are, they have it a bit of form. Connor Wickham, not really, I really like Connor Wickham. I think he's a really, really good player. Um, didn't have a great loan spell. His loan spell wasn't going that great, if we're being honest, but he's now got two and two um, in the last couple of games. So they look, a, they look a test. They do look a test. What I would say is, the truth is, they are a bit of a crisis club. Um, we know that there's going to be this hearing, basically, like numerous championship clubs um, have sort of gone to the have accused them of breaking profitability and sustainability rules, so they still could get a points deduction this season. I think the really interesting thing um, with Wednesday is because money is an issue, because money is so tight, they've got a really, really depleted squad. Yeah, yeah they've, they've, they've lost a couple of players today, actually, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, so it's Stephen Fletcher, it's Fernando Forestieri, and it's Morgan Fox. I don't know a lot about Morgan Fox, I've got to be honest, um, but obviously everyone knows Stephen Fletcher. Um, Forestieri has been. I think they're happy to get rid of Forestieri now. He's been they, one... would, they wouldn't. I'm, I'm told they wouldn't have gone back in for him by um, Alex Miller of the Sheffield oh, right. Star. I thought he was one of their better performers. I did. He has been over the last couple of years, hasn't he? Yeah. But... Yeah, but well, it's. I don't, I don't think it's always to do with stuff on the pitch. It's stuff that's happened off the pitch as well. Right. Okay. Um, but they've also lost Sam Hutchinson and Sam Winnell, who they've um, mm. released basically. So don't have to pay him. Um, so it looks like, on paper, it looks like they've got quite a good starting eleven. Um, to be fair to them, um, in their three-five-two system. George, I mean, bang on about Connor Wickham, but Jordan Rose and Connor Wickham are a decent pairing up front. Um, there's no doubt about that. Barry Bannon's a good player. Luongo, midfielder alongside him, good player. Um, but. Got players like Adam Reach as well. Adam Reacher, but I don't. They've not got a lot of strength in depth going into this game, mm. and I think perhaps I don't know. I think I, I personally think Albin should have too much for them, but we'll see on the night. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And if you're Slaven Bilic, how do you how do you line up? Give me your eleven for the. For, well, you know what? Give me your eleven for this game and then the whole game. Well, can't. Do you reckon he makes changes between? Well, you them? don't know, do you? You can't say that. I mean, it depends how tomorrow goes. You can't can't possibly talk about the whole game. Um, but well, I've pretty much said my team. If it was me, four three three. Obviously, Johnson in goal. O'Shea at right back. Nagazi next to him. Ajay next. Gibbs at left back. Sawyer's sort of anchoring the midfield. Livermore and Kravinovic bombing on as two eights. Um, I'd have Robinson on the left, Pereira on the right, and I'd go Zahor 
um, up top. Um, but that's yeah, that'll be me. Um, and that that should on paper have too much quality for that for that Sheffield Wednesday side. Because while the likes of Bannon and Luango and Rosenwickham are good players, I mean they're not. Remain Soyuz, Jay Livermore, Philip Karinovich, Callum Robinson, Mateus Pereira, they walk into that Sheffield Wednesday team. Absolutely mm. walk into it. Um, so I think Albion really should have enough. They really should. Yeah, and then of course you've got a hole on the weekend. I know you don't want to stretch too far ahead, but if you were going to pick a team to play in the running, hole would probably be your number one choice, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm right in saying, I, I haven't looked at this today, but I'm pretty sure they drew with Blues in their last game. I Well, uh, obviously, I think they play tonight, don't they? But that was their second point since New Year's Day, um, which just goes to show what um, how bad they've been, really. Um, mm. Don't want to jinx it, but our colleague Nathan Judah and my... What I call him my frenemy, Joe Chapman, have both had got very good odds about January time on Hull going down um, once they lost Jared Bowen and Grizzicky to Albion. Jared Bowen to West Ham and Grizzicky to Albion. So mm. <clears throat> they've been utterly dreadful. There's no doubt about it. They look lost. Um, they did get a draw against Blues. They did. Um, which ended a horrendous run of defeats. But... There's all sorts of issues on and off the field there. I mean, that's a game you have to win. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. If you don't beat Hull, if anyone doesn't beat Hull at the minute, it's not a good result. If Albion don't beat them with the quality they have, it's a shocker. Um, So that's why I sit here and say it, it really, really, really should be six points from the next two. It really should. Fingers crossed they can get it. Give me, give me your predictions then. Are you, are you saying win, win? Yeah, win, win, yeah. I think tomorrow will be like a 2 nil. You reckon? You reckon? I think it might be... Um, uh, like, I think it will be something like Shemi Ajay from a corner um, and in the first half and then it will all get a little bit anxious Um a little bit touchy because they've only got a one goal lead and I think late on someone like Austin or Robinson will get a second and it'll put that one to bed and I think I think the whole game will be the game where I don't want to say run riot but like where they really sort of get into the swing of things if you like I was going to say it's going to bend 1-0 tomorrow to Albion and the floodgates will open and they will win 4-0 against Hull. I was going to say 4-0. You don't, I never like saying things like that, though. I'll take that, though. Six points. Everyone will calm down. All that matters is getting six points, if we're being honest. All that matters is getting six points. That and a shock Brentford defeat. So I don't know. If, I don't know who Brentford have got after. Oh, it doesn't matter. I was going to look who Brentford have got after Reading, but the truth is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's up to Albion. It's all up to Albion. They've got Wigan at home, by the way. Uh, that's a, that's a tough game, but it's, it doesn't matter because it's up to Albion. It's up to Albion. Like they've got to go out and win promotion, basically. 
It's all in their hands. They're good enough to do it. It doesn't matter about anyone else. They've just got to go and get the job done. That's it. No need to panic yet. Right, Joe, that just about does us, unless you've got anything else to add. Um, the only thing I will add is, um, very, very quickly, is when we went to the game last week, I've forgotten who it was, Blues, that was it. Um, there was like, obviously, Albion is still doing programmes, um, but they're difficult to get hold of. Well, not difficult to get hold of, but you have to go through the website or whatever to get them. Um, now, mm. it's a bit of a collector's item, the programmes, because obviously they were printed for the Blues game before lockdown. Mm-hmm. And they've updated it slightly with, obviously with things that's gone over the last couple of months. So programs further down the line can be worth quite a bit of money. And normally they are for like rare games. And the fact that this program was for the original Blues game and has been obviously modified. I don't know, I mean, it might not be worth any, any money in like 20 years time or whatever, but you never mm. know, it might be. Well, anyway, I got a bundle of them. Yeah. Um, so I think we should like we should, if anyone wants one, I think we should run a competition. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? I was sensing a competition. Yeah, yeah. I think we can have. If anyone wants one of them, they can have one of them. But they've got what they got to do to decide it. I reckon you got to write the following sentence: Luke Hatfield loves the baggies because, and then I'll just judge the best one. So I've got. Reply to when you tweet out the podcast. Yeah, you tweet out the podcast yeah. from, from the Baggies Broadcast Twitter account. By the way, the Baggies Broadcast Twitter account doesn't follow me on Twitter. I don't know what I have to do to get a follow follow from the Baggies Broadcast Twitter account. It follows you, but it doesn't follow me. Absolutely outrageous. It follows the best journalist. Have we got another twenty minutes? Shall I read that Fulham piece again? <laughs> Much has been said of Aston Villa's transfer business so far this summer. Um, so Luke Hatfield loves the baggies, or Luke Hatfield is a dreadful journalist. You can go for either one of them because dot 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 dot, and then whichever one makes me smile the most, I'll DM them and their address, and I will personally put it in an envelope and put a stamp on it and post it to them. So, I mean, I mean. so Luke Hatfield loves the baggies because, or Luke Hatfield is a dreadful journalist because. And either one, whatever one makes me smile the most, if you want to enter the competition to win one of these programmes that may in 20 years' time be worth some money. It may not, it may not, but it may. How many do you have? Uh, just looking, uh, four. Oh, right, okay. I was thinking we could have saved them for the charity game that we do, and then you could give them away to like the three best players. Um, well, I like but I like your idea For better. the charity game, I'll try and, maybe I'll try and get one signed by Billich. Oh, there you go. MVP gets it. And then give it to an MVP. Yeah, that's cool. Um, But this one I'll give away now. If if anyone actually wants it. If anyone actually wants it. Might just be fun to write the sentence, Luke Hatfield is a dreadful journalist because... I mean, it sounds like a laugh to me. I'm just going to... You can put all Luke Hatfield is a lost soul because... Anything, really. Any gag about Luke Hatfield that makes me laugh. (laughs) It's an open forum. Just... Don't be pleasant about him. Send your, send your replies to Joe Massey, not No, me. send a reply to the Baggies Broadcast Twitter tweet when you tweet out the, the podcast from that. And then the funniest one, okay. I'll put you, I'll DM you and send you a, a programme if you want one. Are you going to give them a deadline? Uh, yeah. Uh, you got until after the whole game. Full time on the whole game? 
There you go. All right. Um, yep, that does us for another episode. Uh, one hour and 20 minutes or so of Albion Chit Chat. As always, uh, give us a rating, a review on iTunes or any of your podcast providers. They'd be greatly appreciated. But from me, from Joe, goodbye. Top quality journalism, Luke. Goodbye. <laughs>